freedom and we'll do anything to protect our freedom. And we need to understand freedom has never been free. It's never been free. The freedom you enjoy right now to go to whatever church you want to go to, it was paid for by the blood of an American soldier. But the freedom to go to heaven was paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm glad, I'm glad He came. Amen. Amen. If you're glad to be saved, say amen. Amen. Matthew chapter number 2. I want, I want to read just a couple verses and then I'll let you sit down this morning. And I, I want to stay... I want to stay on the subject and the direction of worship. I believe there has been an emphasis this month, and I believe God wants to stay on that emphasis on worship. Worshiping Him and adoring Him. The Bible says in Matthew 2, in verse number 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is He that is born? What they say? What they say? King of the Jews. It says, For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou the least among the princes of Judah? For out of these shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, I like this part, they returned into their own country another way. If you ever... Get into the presence of Jesus Christ. You'll go home another way. If you came this morning, and, and, and when you leave, and you leave the same way you came, you didn't get into His presence. But if you ever get in the presence of the Nazarene, you'll go home a different way. Church, say amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for your love this morning. I'm thankful for the promise and the hope of eternal life. I'm thankful for the blood of Christ. I'm thankful for Jesus who died to set us free. I'm glad that, Lord, I can stand here without a shadow of a doubt in my heart and know for sure that if I was to die right now, I am a hundred percent sure that I'm heaven bound with the hammer down. Lord, I'm glad to know I have confidence. I'm glad to know that my faith, Lord, is real. And Lord, you are real and I have something to have faith in. God, I pray right now that you'll bless this service. I pray that you'll bless our worship. I pray in Jesus' name, lead us to worship. Lord, people that's never even worshipped before, let it be today. Let it be today that they begin to honor and adore you for who you are. And God will thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Many times, many times in, in uh, uh, Christmas plays, many times in nativity scenes, we see the wise men 
outside of the manger scene, we see the wise men with a little bitty baby Jesus, but that's not really technically true. Uh, many scholars believe because of the wording of the Scripture that he was approximately, uh, he was about two years old because of the time that they saw the star and, and where he was and, and what they said in, in Matthew chapter number 2. So he was not in the manger at this particular time. He was a, he was a little fella. He was a little old bitty fella. About that size. Isn't he being a good boy? Say amen. I love a good baby Jesus. Amen. Uh, uh, and, and they came to him, and, and as they, they came to him, God began to speak to my heart about, about their worship. This is very important, what we do in this building. But you know what? What we do in this building should not be confined to this building. You are the church. This building just gives us a place to get together. We are the church, and we can worship Him in the mall. We can worship Him down the street. I was going in a bus that was given to us last week, and somebody had given a special offering to help us get that bus fixed up, and son, God got all over me about that, and I was worshiping all the way down the highway, running all off the road and everything. I was, I was having a good time. Worship doesn't mean that you have to be in a service singing a certain song, going through a certain routine. That's the problem with so many places. They have a routine, but they have no relationship. They have a program, but there's no presence and there's no power in what's going on. I'm glad that I can feel the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place. Worship is very important. Worship is very important to God. God said He's seeking such to worship Him. In John chapter number 4, He said, God is a spirit. And we that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And it says that He is looking for people to worship Him. He is actively seeking people who will give Him the glory, who will adore Him for who He is and what He has done. He's looking for us to worship. And I tell you, if He's looking for somebody to worship, I want to step up and let it be me. I want to be the one He's looking for. But you know what? There's, very, there's a few very important elements to worship. And they're described right here in these verses. You know, I, I pray that you came to worship today. I pray that you didn't come to go to church. I pray that you came to worship. I was told when, in Bible college, I was told in Bible college, uh, Dr. Brown said this, he said, he said, fellas, when you go to church, he said, go ready to preach, but you go to worship. He said, if you get to preach, that's wonderful, but you go to worship. You go to meet in His presence. You go to adore the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You go to bow down and give, listen, give glory due to His name. And there's a few things in this chapter I want to share with you. Number one, I would like to share about the star. That's the, don't write this down. This is just an extra. Amen. I, I, this is, this is, if I was in a preacher's conference, I'd preach this one. But, but that star is the preacher in worship. That star is the preacher in worship. That, 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 you say, where do you get that? Revelation chapter 1 said, I saw in his hand, talking about Jesus Christ, there were seven stars in his right hand. And then later on, in a few verses later, it says, and those seven stars were the seven angels to the seven churches. And the word angel means messenger. I believe that represents the pastors of those churches. And that star, it, what did it do? It directed them to Jesus. It went before them. And every good preacher, all you young preachers in here, you need to understand something. You're not to push people to Jesus. You're to lead people to Jesus. It went before them and directed them to Jesus. It not only directed, but it delighted. It said they rejoiced when they saw the star. Why? Because they knew where the star was going. And let me tell you something. A star don't has its own light. It just reflects the light of the sun. Church, say amen. But this is what I want you to get today. That's good right there. Write that down, Scott. You'll use that. Amen. Listen, I want you to see the number one, 
the number one most important element in worship is His presence. It says, when they came into the house. Come on in, guys. Y'all come on in. It says, when they came into the house. Look in, look in Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 11. And when they were come into the house. When they came into His presence. They came around Him. And the Bible says they fell down before Him. Let me tell you something. You cannot worship unless you are in His presence. There are, there are thousands of churches today in America that's having church, but they are not worshiping because God is not within a hundred miles of the place. There are churches today that's bound in tradition. There are churches today that's bound in their own agenda. They want to have their own way and do their own thing. And Jesus is nowhere around the place. You cannot worship unless you're in His presence. You cannot worship unless you're in His presence. There was a little fella. There was a little fella sitting on the curb, and 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 and, and he wasn't really dressed appropriately. He wasn't really what they thought the brethren in the church thought he ought to look like or be like. And, and he sat on the curb weeping and Jesus passed by and said, What's wrong, son? He said, They won't let me in there. He said, Don't feel bad. They won't let me in there either. You can't worship without his presence. I asked, I asked uh, our, our small group, our life group, uh, Tuesday night as we were discussing the service from last week. And uh, I said, What did you feel? Boy, we had a great service last week. Wasn't that wonderful? Boy, the Spirit of God was so real in here. I said, what do you feel? One of them said, one of them said, boy, I felt liberty. Another one said, Brother Kendrick, one said, I just felt love. And, and, and another one said, I, I, boy, I felt joy. And they began to say these different things. And I said, you know what? The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It says in His presence is fullness of joy. It says, it says in 1 John, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. I said, do you know what you were feeling? That joy and that liberty and that freedom and that love? Do you know what you were feeling? You were feeling Him. You were feeling His presence. You say, are, 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 come on now, are you, are you for real? Yes, sir, I'm for real. When they, were, when they were dedicating the temple, let me, let me read a verse to you. Let me read a verse to you. I love this. Man, this is one of my favorite verses on worship. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 5, 13 and 14. It came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one. This is when they were dedicating the temple. And I mean, they got the choir going on. They got the praise band going on. The trumpeters and the singers, they're getting together to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets, the cymbals, the instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Watch this, what happened? That then the house was filled with a cloud even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. What are you saying? The power of God, the presence of God was so real and so thick in that place, the Bible says they could not stand to minister. If you look up the word minister, it means to contribute. Man, I would love to be in a service where I have nothing to add to it. I have nothing to contribute to it. I want to be in a place where God is so real that all I can do is get out of the way and watch Him do His thing. 
people getting saved, people getting right, the presence of God being so real that when you walk in, you know there is something different about this place. The presence of God. You can't work and worship outside of His presence. Listen, worship is all about Him. It's not about us. It's not about how good somebody can speak or how good somebody can preach or how good somebody can sing. When you get up there and you want people to see you, you'll never see Him. It's about His presence. Well, preacher, what can we do about that? Well, we can do what the Bible says. Watch what it says in in Psalms 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. In another verse in Psalms, it says, Come before His presence with thanksgiving. What will determine, what would greatly determine God's presence in this place? I believe it will be determined by our praise. By our praise. It says that God inhabiteth the praises of Israel. In other words, when our praise goes up, His presence comes down. They begin to sing. They begin to sing. And you say, well, that's just in in the church house. No, sir. No, sir. In the jailhouse. In the jailhouse, Paul, listen, they were there in the bottom of the prison. And the Bible says in about midnight, they begin to praise God. They begin to pray and worship Him and give Him glory. And I'm telling you, God's presence showed up. What do we need to do here? We need to come with praise in our heart. We need to come with thanksgiving in our heart. We need to come with an attitude of gratitude. We don't need to come with any other agenda but giving Him glory. We don't need to come with any other reason, nothing in our heart but to give Him praise because I am saved. I am alive. I have shoes on my feet. I have food to eat. I have a roof over my head. I have a family that loves me. I've got kids that are there. I have a church that's here. I'm telling you, we ought to be grateful. How many of y'all have kids and when they show gratitude and grateful for what they do, it just makes you want to do more. But you got that little old spoiled brat that just, don't look at me that way. And they just, they don't care about nothing you've done. You don't want to do nothing else for them. Well, you should be grateful. I went to school barefooted in the snow Uphill both ways when I was in school. You know, we get that. But you know what? When we show gratitude and thankfulness and praise, our praise will greatly determine His presence. Because our Lord loves to be bragged on. See, you've got to understand something. There's only one attribute of God that can be magnified. It's not His power. He's all-powerful. It's not His knowledge because He already knows everything there is to know. It's not His presence because He's already everywhere at the same time. The only characteristic, the only attribute of God that can be magnified is His glory. And what brings Him more glory than a sinner saying, I'm redeemed by love divine? Glory, glory, Christ is mine. Oh, we need to praise Him. We need to sing. Church, say amen. But another thing, not only our praise will greatly determine His presence in this place, but our purity. Our purity. The Bible says, in Psalms 140, verse 13, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright, now watch this, key verse. The upright shall dwell 
in thy... Y'all got quiet on me for some reason. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. What are you saying? I don't care if you come in here and sing there is a fountain filled with blood. If you've been living like a yard dog all week, you're going to have a hard time feeling this presence. There's a lot of places they, they want to do their own thing during the week, but then they want to come home and put on their Sunday suit and put on their Sunday smile, and they'll come sing a Sunday song and think everything's okay. That dog ain't going to hunt. Why? First John, it says this, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we, are y'all with me? Isn't that what it says? It says, but if we walk in the light as He is in light, we have fellowship with Him. Fellowship with Him. I cannot have fellowship with Brother Scott unless I'm in his presence. When I'm in his presence, man, we have fellowship and we eat Scott dogs. Say amen. But if I'm out of fellowship with him, I'm not in his presence. What are you saying? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Y'all with me? Because we, we don't turn God off with a switch when we come through that door. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. What you do during the week will greatly determine what you feel on Sunday. Are y'all with me? Say amen. What's the number one ingredient to worship? His, say it with me, presence. Number two, number two, the Bible says when they came into His presence. And most of the time when you, when you see people coming into the presence of Christ, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, they fell down at His feet. They fell down at His feet. We see your posture in worship is very, very important. Your posture. It says when they came into His presence, they fell down. Now I'm not saying that we all need to get these chairs out of the way and let's just all get on our knees and, and spend the whole service on it. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think that's what that represents. It represents an attitude of the heart. It represents what's on the inside. They are showing on the outside with a physical representation of what they feel on the inside. Preacher, what are you saying? It was a posture. It was a posture of suggestion. It was a posture of suggestion. What do you mean? When you come and you bow before somebody, you bow before somebody, you are saying they are greater and you are lesser. You are submitting to somebody who is in higher rank or higher authority than you are. Listen, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Psalms chapter number 8. It says, when I consider the heavens, the stars, and the works of thy hands, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Has it ever dawned on you how big he is? Has it ever dawned on you that, that we are his sheep, and he is the shepherd, and, and we are the clay, and he is the potter? We need to adjust the scales in our life. We need to put Him first and recognize that He is everything. 
When we bow to the earth, we are suggesting that, listen, we are made from the dust of the earth. God, you are everything. You are holy. There is none like you. You are suggesting that he is greater and you are lesser. They said, John, John, uh, they're, they're baptizing over here in this man's name. And John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Boy, if we ever come into this building, we ever come into this building and walk in here and decrease so he can increase. Boy, it would greatly change our worship. If we would just see him for who he really is. The posture of suggestion. But then, not only is it a posture of suggestion, but can y'all see that? Can everybody see that? But it is a posture of submission. Submission. In war, when the opposing general would surrender, he would come and bow and kneel before, and usually present a sword before the winning general and saying, I'm submitting to you, I'm surrendering to you. Submission. The Bible says in John 4 that God is a spirit and must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. If you look up the word worship, if you look up the word worship right there, it says as a, as a, as a dog would lick its master's hand, but then it said to fall prostrate, to submit. What does that mean? If we're to worship in spirit and in truth, we are submitting to truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the, and the life. What does that mean? Now this is an important element. This is an important element. Do not miss this. Please do not miss this. This is very, very important. Very, very important. If God has revealed truth to you, in your worship, you submit to that truth. If God has given you a command, worship is submitting and being obedient to what He's told you to do. Prove it. Abraham, go take thy son whom thou lovest. And you go sacrifice him on a place I'm going to show you of. And the Bible says that he loaded Abraham or Isaac up, got all the stuff, got his servants, and they headed out. When they got to the place, God revealed the place to him, and he laid he laid the the wood upon Isaac's back, and and they be and this is what he says. This is what he says. He said, "Guys, you stay here. Me and the lad, we're going to worship. We're going to worship. What was he doing? He was submitting to what God had told him to do." He said preacher, "What are you trying to get at? I'm trying to get at this. This is the point. Everybody with me? Stay with me." If God told you to do something three weeks ago in a message, when He revealed truth to you, and you have yet to do that, you're going to have a hard time worshiping Him here. Because worship is not just about praising or singing a song, it's about submitting to Him. Some of you hung up on some things. Some of you are still back there on that bitterness message. Because God told you you need to forgive somebody. 
God told you you need to let something go. God said you need to leave it to me and cast your care upon me and forgive that person and I'll take care of it, but you're still holding on. And you're wondering why you can't feel him. Some of you got issues in your heart and in your life right now that you're not willing to let go. Well, I'll do it on my own time. God don't work that way. You cannot come in here and worship if you're not being obedient to what he says. What did he say? What did he tell? What did he, what Samuel tell Saul, Brother Kendrick? He said, oh, we just did this. We kept these animals and we didn't kill these animals because we just wanted to offer them to you. We, in other words, he said, we just did this so we can worship you. God told Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. Well, I'm going to church. I got my tie on. I pay my tithes. I mean, I'm giving an offering. I mean, what do you want? God wants your obedience. Because your obedience is just as much a part of worship as anything else. God's told some of you that this is the place to be. God's told some of you this is the place He wants you to serve Him. This is the place He wants you to join up, but you're holding on. Listen, you can't go forward if you hadn't done what He told you to do yesterday. Some of you, God has told you to get saved. You feel conviction every time you come into this place. You feel the Holy Spirit drawing your heart. You feel God just wrenching your heart. And every time I preach, boy, you just can't hardly sit in that chair. You want to move so bad, but you hadn't submitted to truth. You're going to have a hard time feeling the presence of God. You're going to have a hard time enjoying yourself till you submit to Him. You know what? Everybody likes to hear that praise part. But none of us like to hear this part. But this is just as important as the praise. Matter of fact, if you're not obedient, your praise will be ineffective. Zoom, zoom. Number three, amen. Their posture. They fell down. Listen, they bowed before his presence, and showed submission to who He is. What's God told you to do that you ain't done yet? So why are you preaching first? So we can let you get that out of the way so you can really worship today. We're going to sing in a minute, and, and we'll give you an opportunity to go ahead and take care of some of these things so that you can really feel Him. So you can be able to worship today. They submitted. But then, last of all, the Bible says, look in verse number look in verse number eleven. Ain't we having fun? When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures. When they had opened their treasures. Look, they didn't bring Trinkets. I looked up the word trinket in, in, in Webster's Dictionary. The word trinket means something of no value. You know what we're bringing to God today? Our leftovers. We're bringing God something of no value. But you know what true worship is? 
when you go to digging in your, help me, in your treasures. In your treasures. Say, why does God want my treasures? Is he broke? Oh, contraire. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. He owns everything there is. He's not broke. He don't need your dollar bill. Inflation, Baptists give two dollars now. He don't need that. It's not about that. He knows that where your treasure is, there where your... He's not after your dollar, he's after your heart. But he knows there's a sciatic nerve connected to your heart, to your back pocket. Where is your heart today? Listen, their presentation, their presentation, they went into their treasures. They went into their treasures. Please get this. They went into their treasures and it, listen, it revealed there was a revelation of priority. What they were doing this day was a priority to them. It was not just something that they had to do or something that they needed to do or something they just had to do on their spare time. This was a priority to them. They had traveled a long way. They had come to meet the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. This was very important to them. It was a priority. You got out of bed this morning. Did you see this as a priority? Well, I wish all Christians did. You wouldn't have room in this building. When this is a priority, that we come and worship Him. When this is a priority, that we come and adore Him. When this is a priority, that we give Him the glory for who He is. I ask you today, when you sing, are you singing your best? So I, don't, I can't sing. That's why I said make a joyful noise. If you're up here, you need to be able to. But when you're out there, it doesn't matter. Isn't that wonderful? That's why I like singing in the crowd. It doesn't really matter. I sing by letter. Chad, I hold my mouth and let her fly. Amen. The other day, I was going to sing a song, and Amber was on the piano, and I said, Amber, just find where I am. She said, impossible, impossible. <laughs> But you know what? When I sing, I want to sing. I don't feel like I'm singing unless I got veins popping out of my neck. Say amen right there. I need to do it with all that I have. You look at the pop stars and the rock stars. They don't stand out there on that stage. They don't do that. They did everything they got. You know what? I think if lost people can give the devil all they got, saved people sure ought to. I mean sing with a loud voice. Sing with all of your heart. Sing with all of your might. Sing with gusto. Sing the best that you can. Sing the... Are y'all with me? I want to do the best I can. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. I mean, do it the very best that you can. When you serve Him, are you serving your best? Are you giving your best effort when you work on the care team? Are you giving your best effort when you're singing in the choir? Are you giving your best effort when you're working in the first impressions? Or are you just kind of there? I just, oh God, I got to get up in the morning and greet people. And oh my. If you're that way, stay home. People need to know there is something in this building that's exciting. 
Bless God, open the door, and come on in. You might want to tone that down a little bit. But are you doing your best? They took out of their treasures what was important to them. Where your treasure is, there where your... Where is your heart this morning? Lastly. Their presentation revealed their priority. This was important. This was not just something. This was very important to them. But not only was there a revelation of priority, there was a recognition of personality. And please don't miss this one. There was a recognition of personality. You know, for a long time, growing up in church my whole life, you know, you, you, you read this, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I mean, it, it's just second nature. You, you hear it. I told you I've been everything. I've been in Christmas plays. I've been the baby Jesus in the manger. I've been everything. Jesus, 12 years old, confounding the wise in the temple. I've been donkeys and sheep. My wife said that suited me best, that part there. But I mean, I've been shepherds in the field keeping watch over their flock. By night. I mean, I've been everything. And you'd hear that all the time. And I always just took, took for granted the fact that that, that, that this gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they just happened to bring stuff that represented him. Little, and I've even said this, little did they know that those gifts were re- representing who he was. But I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that's true. I believe they studied Old Testament Scriptures. Most scholars say that these wise men came from Babylon. They came from the east, came from Babylon. And listen, it was there that Daniel did his writings. Daniel wrote and predicted the very day, listen, the very time that Jesus would be born. I believe they studied over there in Isaiah. You say, why do you say that? Listen, gold represents royalty. Gold represents royalty. I believe they studied Isaiah chapter 9 that says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with a judgment and with justice from henceforth forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You say, how do you know they knew that? Because when they came, they said, where is he that is born King of the Jews? I believe they knew he was royalty. So they brought gold. I believe they knew he was deity. I believe they studied over there in Isaiah. Chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. They knew he was deity, so they brought frankincense. which represented his deity and what they would use to worship. Then they knew his humanity. I believe they looked over there in Isaiah 53. They brought myrrh. Myrrh was used to embalm. It represented sufferings. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We... He had as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The 
chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It says in verse 7, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. Verse 8 says, He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off the land of the living. They brought in er, myrrh because they knew he was going to suffer. They knew he would be rejected. They knew he would suffer. So what has that got to do with me? Their worship. Now get this. I'm, I'm done. This is the last one right here. This is the last one. Favorite two words every Baptist congregation likes to hear. In closing. You know, I mean. What enhanced their worship was what they knew about Him. You say, what does that got to do with me? Many of you here, now listen up. Look at me, look at me. Many of you here today are having a hard time worshiping a stranger. What are you saying? There's a bunch of women in here. Hallelujah. Thank God for the ladies. Ladies say amen. There's a bunch of ladies in here. But I don't know none of y'all like I know that one. And I don't feel about none of y'all like I feel about that one. And none of y'all don't do nothing to my heart like that one. And you're trying to come in here and love on a stranger. They knew who he was. They were very acquainted about every aspect of his life. They had diligently studied everything about him. And that was clearly represented in what they presented to him. And some of you are having a hard time raising your hand. Some of you are having a hard time singing praise unto him. Some of you are having a hard time loving and adoring him because you don't even know him. And I'm not talking about lost people. That's part of it. But some of you saved people. You haven't made an effort to read about Him. He has written you the sweetest love letter there's ever been written. And you won't take the time to read how much He loves you. You won't take the time to read, but... God commendeth His love toward us. In other words, put on display His love toward us that while I was a sinner, He died for me. You won't take time to read, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You won't take the time to read, there is no greater friend than than the one that will lay His life down for you. You won't read that the Good Shepherd gave His life for the sheep. You won't go over there and read that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'll be with you till the dropping off point and I'll drop off with you. Oh, he loves you. But you don't know him. Oh, I go to church, preacher. But you don't know him. 
Samuel was in church every day of his life. He was working for God. And when God called him, the Bible says he did not yet, verbatim, verbatim, he did not yet know the Lord. I wonder how many Samuels are in this building. You're, you've heard of him. You've heard of him. I heard about Tammy from my best friend. Boy, when I met her. For her, it was love at first sight. It's like Brother Chris said, Baby, you believe in love at first sight or do not need to walk by again? Amen. I ask you a question this morning. Do you know him? How well acquainted are you with the Prince of Peace? How well acquainted are you with the one who died for you? The preacher, I don't even know that I'm saved. Well, we're going to do something right now. Guys, if y'all be dismissed, y'all did a great job. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Brother Mickle, where's Brother Mickle? Brother Mickle in the house. Brother Mickle, if you'll get your people, come on. We're going to have a little invitation. And, and then we're going to worship. But I want to give you an opportunity. Brother Scott, will you get that for me?